This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 67th edition of Sports and Stuff on RainierAvenueRadio.world. Today is my special guest on the 67th edition. I have Chris Fetters. Chris is the full-time editor of Dogman.com. It's one of the best sites for University of Washington Husky football and basketball. Been around a long time. But Chris, before I get back to you, I want to recognize my engineer today, Daniel Billis. Daniel is also the host of the Fresh Juice Show at RainierAvenueRadio.world. Daniel does a lot of stuff at our station. We have a lot of shows going on at Rainier Avenue Radio, political shows, lifestyle shows, news shows, music shows. I recommend that people uh, take, a, take a look at our station on the World Wide Web, RainierAvenueRadio.world. Our sports department has shows hosted by Rick Dupree, Granville Emerson, Ronald Rolorent hosts a great show, Mark Bryant hosts a fitness-based show, all sorts of shows going at Rainier Avenue Radio. Don't want to forget anybody, but... Uh, we got to kind of keep things moving here. My show has been around now for over two years, sports and stuff. I practice law full-time in Seattle. You can, I'm doing this on the side, having a lot of fun. You can listen to my shows on my law firm website, pluslawoffices.com. A bunch are on Mixcloud. A lot of my shows are on the RainierAvenueRadio.world website. Well, Chris, let me get back to you. As I mentioned earlier, Chris, I believe, is the editor of Dogman.com. He also hosts a good podcast, which I listened to a little bit this week. Dogman Radio. Chris is a Bainbridge Island High School graduate and a 91 graduate of Whitman College, really good school. Chris uh, covers Husky basketball and Husky recruiting very extensively. He is uh, pretty much a daily beat reporter for Husky basketball and Husky football. It's it's sort of a kind of analogous, Chris, to having a White House correspondent on with you, Chris. We get a lot of inside information on the University of Washington sports. Well, Chris, uh, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. That's my pleasure. I, I don't know if we're—I uh, don't know if we have quite as much daily drama as maybe being a White House correspondent, but uh, it's still a lot of fun. No doubt, there, there is some drama that comes up in the UW Athletic Department, though, for sure as well. So, well, I appreciate doing this, Chris. I think we'll have a fun conversation. Well, Chris, you've had a long career covering Husky sports, in particular Husky men's basketball and football. Why don't you share with us um, how you got this bug to become a, such a daily guy covering Husky sports? Well, I can uh, I can put the blame squarely on my father. Um, he kind of introduced me to Washington football at a very early age. Uh, actually, the very, very first Washington game I ever went to was back in 1975, the first game against Texas, and it happened to be Don James' first game as head coach of Washington. So that's when my love of, of UW football started, and uh, I was seven years old at the time. I think I wanted to leave after the first quarter because I just didn't understand how things could possibly drag on that interminably long. <laughs> um, I think the next, I think the next year I lasted until about halftime, and then uh, slowly but surely I, I started to figure out the nuances of the game. So I think by uh, I think by the time I was ten or eleven, I knew everything I needed to know about the game, and have uh, actually still been learning about things ever since. Well, local guy that obviously loves University of Washington sports. Chris, you attended Whitman College, a really good private school in Walla Walla, Washington. I know a few people who went there. It's a renowned school. Um, do, do you follow Whitman College athletics a little bit, and uh, are you involved in Whitman College events at all? Yeah, actually, um, interesting story. Uh, one of the real big pioneers of basketball guy there by the name of Jim Mastin was my golf coach there. I actually went there to play golf, too. And um, and so he was the basketball coach and the golf coach, and he used to drive uh, like a low riding Toyota 280ZX, and it was it was it was fun. It was a fun time to be around 
that area because uh, the Washington, the women basketball team was really, really good at the time. And actually since, in terms of following their athletics, uh, I've been following the men's and women's basketball teams pretty solidly. The men's team uh, actually went to one of their playoff games last year. I just happened to be in Walla Walla at the same time, so it would be perfect. It, it coordinated perfectly with my schedule. And so I got a chance to see them win a uh, win a pretty big playoff game. I think they've either they've been to the final. I, I think they went to the final either last year or year before. Um, I don't know. I don't remember if it was D three or NAIA. I can't remember exactly what level they're on anymore. But um, you know they haven't had football since the seventies. I think uh, there was a there's a famous photo of Richard Nixon with a Whitman jersey, and I think that was like right around the, the end of the football program. There. <laughs> I never knew that. And of course the. Yeah, they have uh, they have the distinct they have the distinguished honor of uh, being a part of the most lopsided score in University of Washington football history. Washington beat them 120 to nothing one year, way way back in the in the day. So uh, we got that going for us, which is nice. Well, I wanted to get a little Whitman College love in this interview with you with you, uh, Chris. It's it's always fun to hit on some Washington State small colleges as well. If you're just tuning in, this is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on RainierAvenueRadio.world with Dogman.com editor Chris Fetters. I don't think anybody knows more about Husky football and Husky basketball than uh, Mr. Fetters. Fun to have you on Sports and Stuff, Chris. Well, Chris, this decade's coming to an end. This 2010s decade, I think is what we call it. And obviously... Some of the highlights of UW basketball and UW football is the UW football team getting the Final Four one year. Obviously, hiring Mike Hopkins was a was a highlight. Well, what are some other highlights, Chris, as we look back on this decade that's about to end in UW men's basketball and UW football? Feel free to give me a few little tidbits that maybe uh, are not on a lot of people's minds of major highlights of Washington sports in this decade. Well, I think you can go back all the way back to 2010 if you're talking about this decade and you know, the decision by Jake Walker to stay for a senior year. And then, um, you know, they got absolutely pounded by Nebraska here in Seattle earlier in the season and yet went to the Holiday Bowl and beat Nebraska later that at the end of the season to give Jake Locker a bowl win to, to kind of, you know, to kind of uh, to, to, to finish off his Washington career on a really high note. I think that was a real uh, a big part of, kind of the transformation from the, the Tyrell Willingham years where you had the 0-12 season in 2008 back to where Washington was starting to, to climb back into the realm of the, of the major college football programs. I think that was a big a big step in stone because it really signaled that Washington could could big you know play some big teams and win and do the things that they had been known to do back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So I thought that was a big part of it. Absolutely. And then in terms of basketball, in terms of basketball, obviously the transition from Lorenzo Romar and the fact that he had the number one recruiting class at the time he was uh, let go, and Jen Cohen's decision to, you know, basically start from scratch in recruiting and hire an unknown who had never been a head coach at Mike Hopkins from Syracuse and to bring him over. And all Hopkins has done is taken him to – to the NCAA tournament a couple times. He's the Pac-12 player, uh, coach of the year the last two years, you know, his first and only two years here at Washington so far. Um, he's, he's kind of transformed the program and really put a whole new sense of energy and passion into the into the program. And, and he's gotten two uh, five-star kids that, uh, that are starting this year, and Jake McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart. So I think the transition between Lorenzo Romar, who obviously – was a, was a long-time fixture at Washington, you know, played at Washington, it was his alma mater, 
And then, you know, he was a coach there for the better part of, of 10 plus years. And then switching over to Mike Hopkins and, and seeing the instant success that he could bring to this program and show everyone that Washington isn't just a football school. I think that's a, that, that was a huge highlight of this last decade. Well, those were just great, great elaboration, Chris, you gave to my question. And, and I, I really enjoyed your answer about Jake Locker back in about 2010, at the beginning of this decade, when Washington beat Nebraska in that bowl game. That definitely was a pretty seminal event. So I appreciate you reminding us of that. Chris, um, obviously Husky coach Chris Peterson step, is going to be stepping down after the Vegas Bowl. It's obviously a big national and local story. Were you surprised at all by Coach Peterson's decision to step down at age 55 as a Washington football coach? It's a tough question because I am not surprised by his decision to step down. I was absolutely floored by the timing of the decision. Um, and to expound on that a little bit, when, it, when we first got to know Chris Peterson really well after he was hired as the head coach back in December of, of 2013, you know, it was clear that he was not a lifer. You know, I mean, he's not that. He was not like the Bobby Bowden types or the kind of guy that was going to be on the sideline and, you know, would die on the sideline. You know, right. He, he had so many other things going on in his life, and, and he, he just he wanted football to be more of a vehicle for his life, kind of a means to it, not the end. And so you could always tell that he was going to maybe coach at Washington, you know, 10 years maybe, and then call it quits maybe when he was in his late 50s, early 60s. But to do it now, I think, really signaled a couple of different things. I think, first of all, it really signaled his frustration with not being able to solve the problems on the field that they had this year. Because they, they really did have a few games, namely the, the game at Stanford, the game at Colorado, the Cal game here, which was the one that had the big uh, two-and-a-half-hour thunder-lightning delay, oh, which I don't there. know if we'll ever see that again. But... Um, I think it just signaled to him that he was so frustrated not being able to solve the problems, especially on offense, and, and just was so inconsistent. And I think it really gnawed at him that they couldn't solve that problem. And I think the other thing, too, is that college football is changing in a lot of different ways in terms of now you've got states like California that are, are going to have um, you know, player rights, and they're going to be able to get paid for their image and likeness. Right. Um, you've got, you know, other states are going to follow suit by that. You know, by 2023, that could become just a, a commonplace deal, which is something that would have been unheard of when Chris Peterson started coaching. Um, I think he's he's a little jaded about things like the transfer portal, where guys are able to kind of come and go from different schools and land in one place. If it doesn't work out, they can just immediately go somewhere else. I, that doesn't really that doesn't really square with, um, you know, kind of the way that he looks at school and how he would want people to go to, to the universities that they need to go to for all the right reasons instead of maybe just a coach. They want you know he wants to place as much emphasis on education as football, which is you know highly unusual I guess in this day and age. Um, you know, and, and, and part of that is just you know he's old school in that way. But you know, there's so much money involved in the game now that. Um, it's just hard to ignore some of those realities. And I just think that in some ways, the game's not necessarily passing him by, but what I would say is I think he just wants to compete on a level playing field. And I just feel like given his priorities and, and what he wants to see and, and, and what he has done with the, like the Built for Life program at Washington, these are all things that, that he prioritizes 
that maybe the rest of college football isn't prioritizing as much as the product on the field. Sure. And those are all things that I think he was really having trouble coming to grips with. And I, and I think that he felt like, you know, it's it's not going to get any better for him. You know, he's, he's, he's just going to constantly kind of fight upstream on, on, on these battles off the field. And then on the field, even though the football product itself isn't what he hoped it would be this year, the culture inside the program has never been better. The, the stability of the program in terms of the, the coaches that are in it and the administration and the support behind it with Jen Cohen and everybody else has never been stronger. And I just think he felt like this was the right time for him to step down, even though he's not burned out by the job. Um, but I think he is frustrated with it to the point where it was affecting his performance and it was affecting maybe the energy and, and, and the passion and the creativity and some of the things that he's always been really known for. And so I think, you know, like he, he called it, he called it a recharge uh, back when he right. kind of announced that he was going to step down. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's just a, a way for him to kind of step back, reevaluate, kind of see where he wants to go, what direction. And he's going to stay still in the football program, or not so much in the football program, but in the athletic department. He's going to, you know, kind of continue this built-for-life thing that he has created. And uh, I think University of Washington, as a school, is really curious about maybe bringing him into upper campus and, in, you know, integrating his thoughts and his philosophies that he's instilled in the football program and the culture there uh, into, into, the, into the school and see if maybe if it's something that could work in a larger campus and a larger, uh, you know, larger uh, student base. So we'll see what he can do with that. I, I think uh, it's something that really excites him, it, the, the, the intrigue, the challenge, and uh, we'll see where it goes because, uh, you know, there's still a lot of miles left on those tires, no matter what anyone wants to say about how things were going on the field. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio.World with Dogman.com, editor Chris Fetters. We're analyzing Husky sports, having fun today. Yeah, I, I liked a lot of your points there, Chris. And, and one thing, I work, happen to work as an attorney, and I see this in other fields as well, is that somebody can be very good in their field but not really love it. I know a lot of attorneys are very skilled at what they do, but they just don't love it. So I, I think that's something maybe the mass public can forget is there can be well-known coaches and movie stars, whatever. They don't lo- always love what they do either and, want, as you said, want to recharge. So I, I, uh, I think there's a lot there with, with your points. Yeah, I think, I think the thing is, is that, you know, he loves football. I mean, and that's the thing. If it was just football, he'd, he'd, he'd coach it from here on to that. Like, this is a really, really bad analogy, but for anybody that remembers the, the, the basketball movie Blue Chips, yeah, with McNulty, right, and how he kind of gets caught of cheating and and having to to do things that he would never want to do ethically or morally, but you see him at the end after basically just torpedoing his college coaching career, he steps outside and he sees a bunch of kids that are playing at a at a playground across the street, and he goes in and his natural instinct is just to start coaching, and he and so he coaches them on how to hit a jump shot, how to do all these. That's what Chris Peterson does. He wants to coach. He wants to do things that help these kids get better on and off the football field. That, that's what his love and his passion is. So that, that part has never gone away. I just think that there are so many other dynamics that are affecting how he can get that job done off the field 
that are that are impacting it in a negative way in his mind, in his opinion. That it's it's just something. It's just like I said. It's just a. It's like a, a stream that's just never going to stop flowing, and he can't get he can't get upstream. He can't go fast enough, and it, he's always going to be paddling upstream, and he's never going to be able to to be able gotcha. to do the things that he wants to do because he wants to do it with a level playing field, and he's never seen it be truly level. I think, in his opinion, for many years now. Well, believe it or not, we're already almost halfway done here. Paul Sharman again on Rainier Avenue Radio with Chris Fetters. Chris, let me ask you another Chris Peterson question. Maybe we can try to hit on some other stuff as well. And he he's not done at the University of Washington yet. He's going to be coaching the Vegas Bowl tomorrow. And when this interview plays, the Vegas Bowl will have concluded this year. But I want you to help me analyze Chris Peterson's six-year run at University of Washington. Let me throw out three Hall of Fames. Do you think he'll be inducted one day in the University of Washington Hall of Fame? Do you think he'll be inducted one day in the Pac-12 Conference Hall of Fame? Do you think he'll be inducted one day in the College Football Hall of Fame? Give me your Hall of Fame predictions on Chris Peterson, Chris. I'm curious to get your perspective. Well, I think there's a really good chance of one. I think the chances are much, much less in two just because he's only been a Pac-12 coach for, for the six years. And then three is a slam dunk because he was already a, a Paul. He, he already had won a, a national coach of the year a couple different times. Uh, what he did at Boise State with 92 and 12 in his years there um, probably will never be matched uh, in terms of Division One or, or FCS ever again or FBS, excuse me. But, you know, I think, yeah, I think for the Hall of Fame as far as college football, I think it's a no-brainer. It'll happen sooner rather than later. Pac-12, like, is going to be a tougher ask just because he just was not around long enough to maybe be the kind of guy that would have a monster impact. It wouldn't surprise me, but I think it's a tougher ask. The one with Washington is going to be interesting because I think eventually it'll happen, but I think it, it, it just may take a little time. Um, but again, like, you know, you started out in the beginning, getting to the college football playoff, right. getting to three straight New Year's Six Bowl games. Um, really taking the program to the next level after Steve Sarkeesian left. These were all really, really important steps no that doubt. Chris Peterson needed to do, and he did them. And, and the best, I think that the one thing you can say about a coach is did he leave it in a better place than he found it? And there's a, it's an unequivocal yes for that. And so, you know, by those type of markers, you would think he'd be a, a, a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. I just don't know you know, kind of what their criteria is, how, how long you have to be out before you could be put in, type of thing. Right. I'm not exactly sure what their what their guidelines are on that kind of stuff. But I would think it will happen. Um, the second one, again, a little tougher, but for sure College Football Hall of Fame. In fact, he probably will be inducted, I would think, in the College Football Hall of Fame, maybe even earlier than the Washington Football Hall of Fame, or Washington Hall of Fame. You probably agree, Chris. I find the Hall of Fame discussions in all sorts of sports, and even with music, to be interesting is it's always it's always good fan chatter. Well, let me move on to something else, uh, still related to Chris Peterson, anyways. But let me move on to Jimmy Lake. Do, are you hundred percent confident that the University of Washington Co made the right decision to hire Jimmy Lake immediately, or do you think maybe doing a, an additional search could have made sense? I mean, the name Jim Mora, for example, still comes up sometimes. Are you are you what do you feel about the decision to immediately hire Jimmy Lake to be the next University of Washington football coach? Yeah, it's a, really, it's a really good question because I think that's 
something that maybe fans would be curious to know. Like, did you guys, how much real due diligence did you decide to do? Or was this something where Chris Peterson just kind of laid this at Jen Cohen's lap and she had to make a maybe a rush to judgment a little bit? I, and I don't think that's necessarily the case because, you know, you talk to Jen a lot and you understand that the, one of the things an AD at that Power 5 conference level has to have, they have to have a short list at every single time. Because this is the kind of worst-case scenario that will pop up every once in a while. Sure. It's, it, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but this is a great example of something where a, a coach decides, you know what, this is the time. Um, I know it's the right time. I feel like it's in the right hands. This is, this is the, the, the premier opportunity that we have to make sure that the transition can be as seamless as possible. And so Jen had to think about that, obviously, for a little bit. But it really makes a lot of sense if you go all the way back to when Jimmy Lake was initially hired, even back in 2004 when he coached at Washington for one year under Keith Gilbertson. So he understands the Washington program from uh, from 15 years ago. Um, and, yes, that, that staff got completely blown out. And, and, you know, he went on to go have a good coaching career in the NFL with few different programs and, right. and what have you. And then obviously he went to Boise and that's where he connected with Chris Peterson. And the Bill Flies thing, you know, he called it the secret sauce. He wanted to know how Chris Peterson was so successful in a smaller program like that. And not only that, put out NFL type players year in and year out because when he was in the NFL and he was scouting these guys, every year there would be guys from Boise State that would pop up and he'd be like these guys are super impressive for for a group of five program or a, a lower two program, Mountain West program. These guys are putting out guys that are NFL ready. I want to know how they do it. And so when he got an opportunity to come to Chris Peterson at Boise, he jumped at it, and he's really kind of learned the trade under Chris Peterson, not just at Washington, but also going back to Boise State. So this is really a hire that has been a long time coming. And you could tell... It, how important it was for the continuity of the staff as well. A couple of years back when Chris Peterson made the decision to hire uh, Jimmy Lake and promote him as the defensive coordinator, and Pete Kwiatkowski, who was the defensive coordinator at the time, actually had to take a little bit of a demotion in name. I mean, he was still getting paid the same amount of money, but he had to take a like a kind of a co-coordinator role to keep Lake in the fold because he was getting overtures from places like Alabama and Texas A&M and Arizona State and Colorado and a bunch of other schools, that, that'll that tell you how popular and how coveted Jimmy Lake was, not just as a coordinator, but as a guy who could you know, be seen as an eventual head coach. So all the pieces were in place there, and Jimmy Lake had a couple of years as a play caller on defense, as a, as a pure defensive coordinator at Washington, so the next logical step was going to be his ascension to the head coaching ranks, and you know, and you don't have to take my word for it. Too, you, if anybody is listening to this, they should listen to the words of Chris Peterson. And Chris Peterson said himself, "If I didn't think Jimmy Lake was ready to take this job right now, and if I didn't think the program was in a position where this transition could be as seamless as possible, I wouldn't have done it." I think it, in in some part, if people go back and listen what Chris Peterson said, he said he was having second thoughts about whether or not he even wanted to coach this last year in 2019 as far back as the Rose Bowl. 
and he just didn't have a great experience there. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't appreciate it like he should have. And that's when he kind of, when, when the wheels started cranking in his head, and he was thinking, you know what, I, I've got to start making some decisions about what I want to do and how I want to approach this thing. And Jimmy Lake was right there in the mix the whole time. So I think in that sense, if you go by Chris Peterson's own words, and, it, and if you go by the, you know Chris uh, Jimmy Lake's resume, how he has steadily built this thing over years, going from a position coach to a co-coordinator to a defensive coordinator, a play caller, and now he's the head coach. Everything just kind of lines up. Kind of lined up. We got about less than three minutes left. Paul Schneiderman, a host of sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Chris Fetters. Chris, try to get a little bit more in with our short time frame left. Were you were you surprised at all, or I should say impressed, that it looks like Jimmy Lake's going to be able to keep all the recruits that, that Peterson, or the originally Peterson guys? Are you impressed? You know what? I will say it is an impressive thing. I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm impressed by what Jimmy Lake did because I've already been impressed over the years by Jimmy Lake as a recruiter first. You know, not even thinking about him as a position coach, which he is obviously an amazing position coach. You look at all the guys that he has put into the NFL, for instance. I mean, it's a litany of guys now. Um, but just his ability to connect with the kids, connect with the prospects, connect with the parents, because we all understand that recruiting is just like marketing. It's, it's all about telling people a story that they want to hear. Sure, He has got a great story. And if you look at all the guys that are going to the NFL, they just add to that story. So he's already had something that he could market with the Built for Life, uh, with the whole Washington football experience, with the education and everything else. He understood that being at the University of Washington was a unique opportunity for him to really elevate his own game. And he's shown that over the years as far as a recruiter goes. So for him to maintain all the, the 23 kids that ended up signing on Wednesday was not a surprise to me at all because I just assumed that that was something that Jimmy Lake would take for granted. I think what's going to be really interesting hey Chris, real quickly, is to see how he takes that and runs with it. All good stuff, Chris. we got like 30 seconds left. Great Jimmy Lake analysis. Here, here's my final question. Is the 2020s going to be the decade when Washington men's basketball finally gets back to the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, Jeff Goodman, one of the most esteemed basketball analysts, had, had him in their preseason Final Four, and they went up and beat Baylor in Alaska and have lost close games to Tennessee and Gonzaga. So I think they're right on track. And if they can get all their young talent really gelled together, Jade McDaniels, Isaiah Stewart, some of these other guys, I think they got a chance to really make a nice run and, and hopefully make some magic happen. Because, you know, we haven't seen a, a run since, since 2016, and it's been a long time coming. Exciting stuff ahead, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. You and I will be in touch. Thank you so much. Same to you. Thank you.